0: Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come, Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint seeking to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come, Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that you will allow me to join in your gospel dialogue. With that introduction, let's start this Family Room Discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode thirty-one, following along with the power of godliness, Doctrine and Covenant, section eighty-four. And today I am joined by a special guest. My special guest is Elder Quaden Ted, who is called to labor in the Washington Everett, Washington Everett mission uh, for the next twenty-four months. And what's uh, extra exciting for me is that he's serving currently the at-home MTC experience before going to Provo MTC next week, but uh, part of the at-home gets to be at my own house, which is pretty cool. How many times can you say that a missionary served the at-home MTC in your own house? Uh, So, Quaden, thanks for being on. Thank you. Um, Well, first, uh, I should also mention that, uh, I mean, I already said you're doing the at-home experience, but yeah, you were set apart, what, three
1: days ago, two days ago? Two days ago. How's it been? It's been good a little
0: weird different yeah it's it's gonna be a full two years of like weird and different i think that probably summarizes the entire experience but uh tell us a little bit about so far what the experience has been like uh and and you can be honest the goods the bads what was it like your first day in the mtc or you know whatever this experience has been like
1: (laughs) um been hard, but I kind of enjoy it when things are working properly. There's always some technology interruptions, but other than that, when you're having a good discussion with your district, it's pretty fun. So.
0: Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny, and I've done this with every single one of your siblings when they serve a mission, but I always, every time... Uh, someone goes out it's inevitable that i have to think about my own experience and like what it was like for me i was lucky i did not have the uh you know covid life altering mtc experience mine was pretty normal I was able to walk in the front doors of course back then it was the old mtc not the new mtc that's super nice campus but uh i had also been at byu during the time and so uh my girlfriend at the time had got me to go volunteer at the MTC prior to serving a mission. And so I had actually had a lot of experiences with, uh, the MTC and helping missionaries and stuff. And none of that ended up helping because when I walked in the front doors of the MTC as a missionary, it was like, I couldn't remember where anything was anymore. I was like, what is this place? So, uh, it was uh, this, this whole experience. But I remember, uh, my first day, they pack you in with so many activities that you can't even like think about the traumatic experience of being ripped away from your family and your friends and everything you know and love. And you're just exhausted. And then at the end, I walk in and it was me and my companion, but we were in uh, not the same room as our district. We were in like this different zone of elders going to Mongolia. And we walk in after a long day of classes And these two elders who are gonna serve in Mongolia are like, with their zone, doing prank wars with each other. And like, there was like this, they had set up, they used to give you exercise bands um, for for workout or whatever. And these elders had taken their exercise bands and tied them around a chair and were using it as a slingshot to fire uh, candy down the hallway. And this was my first experience after the end of this really long day and kind of a traumatic experience. And I just remember walking, turning this hallway as I'm going to my room and this like candy bar whizzing past my face super fast. And I just remember thinking, I hate it here. (laughs) I was like, I want to go home. And uh, it's a good thing I didn't leave right then because after a good night's sleep, waking up refreshed, uh, those, those two elders in that zone actually, who, like I said, we weren't even going to the same mission. They ended up becoming some of my really good friends while I was there and... Those poor jokers were there for 12 weeks because they had to learn Mongolian or whatever language. And I was only there for two and a half weeks. So, like, I got in and left before they were even halfway through (laughs) their experience. And they'd already been there for five weeks. But uh, I will never forget the experiences in the MTC the the rule of thumb i think goes like this you never forget the first part of your mission and you never forget the last part of your mission and sometimes the middle becomes hazy but uh the first part is so difficult that it's just like branded like a cow brand it's like branded into your mind forever and then the last part is is kind of so good typically it's so good and you're you know you know what you're doing you're after 2 years you are a full-fledged servant of the Lord where you, you don't slow down and you can just go all day. And those are the two kind of bookends of your mission. So anyway, I'll stop rambling about mine, but but I think you'll have that same experience where right now you're all at the beginning of your journey, quite literally two days in. And uh, I remember it just being impossible to see past the day. I I remember that being like the most difficult thing. But by the end and after you're done, every time someone else brings up their mission, it's just really sacred and good memory. So, you know, when it gets hard, just think about that. (laughs) Think about one day it won't be hard. And you'll just look at it about it with fondness. But uh, all right, so let's get into this lesson. The first section, or excuse me, let me read the introduction. We're just going to skip everything. Ever since the priesthood was restored in 1829, Latter-day Saints have been blessed by by that sacred power. They were baptized, confirmed, and called to serve by priesthood authority, much like we are today. But having access to priesthood power is not the same thing as completely understanding it and God has had more he wanted his saints to understand, particularly with the coming restoration of temple ordinances. The 1832 revelation on the priesthood, now Doctrine and Covenant, section 84, expanded the saint's vision of what the priesthood really is, and it can do the same for us today. After all, there is a lot to learn about the divine power that holds the key of the knowledge of God, that make manifest the power of godliness, and that prepares us to see the face of of God even the Father and live and I love this concept in here that uh, having access to priesthood power is not the same thing as completely understanding it um, I don't know about this for you quite and that there's so many things that uh, I feel like in the gospel we're given access to or we have God's power uh, like the priesthood or ordinances that we we undertake, With, it's like, I don't understand what I just did. The temple is an excellent experience. When I received my endowment, I remember being like, I have no idea what just happened. Like, it was so much. But you're given this gift that then uh, you have to learn about the rest of your life. Like, you have to make sense of, okay, what promises did I just make? Um, You just went through the temple. What was that experience
1: like for you? I was kind of the same way, like. What did I just go through? Like (laughs) It was way different. I didn't think any of that went on in the church. But it was a good experience. And I do think it takes practice. Uh, Like practice, like to do it more, you understand. Yeah.
0: Uh, I remember... (laughs) In a, like a more minor sense, I remember the first time I ever passed the sacrament as a deacon, and I was so nervous. And I remember they'd given me the routes and stuff, told me where I need to go. They gave me the easiest route. I remember it was number seven. Seven was always the easiest. And, uh, but I was so nervous that um, uh, when someone came and when I was passing the bread, and I passed down this run one row, and a piece of bread fell and it was like I I remember I just didn't know what to do I started freaking out I was like I've messed up I'm I'm a failure I'll never pass the sacrament again uh and of course you know by the time I was 13 about to turn 14 and become a teacher passing the sacrament was just like uh, I think again a piece of bread like fell on the ground and I just immediately like stooped down picked it up and went on like didn't even think anything of it right like it was so funny how one item for me at the beginning, I thought, oh my gosh, I failed. And at the end, it's like, this is just nothing. Like, it, it doesn't affect the ordinance at all. And I could just move on. And I think that's like, um, like for sure, when I think of uh, priesthood ordinance, ordinances, that's how it's been, is in the beginning, everything feels like it's, overly important and and I've failed or I've messed up or or whatever. And the longer I participate in them, the more I recognize what's truly important and that what I thought was a failure in the beginning was not a failure at all. And it's actually just, just a part of the whole puzzle. I know for, for the temple, the first time I went through, I was so nervous about messing up or getting things wrong or, or whatever, that I just was filled with kind of like this stress of like, Oh no, Oh, no, what if I get kicked out of this place or whatever, right? Well, I've gone back many times since. And, uh, and now I go through with zero stress. I obviously know what to expect out of my experience. And I know why I'm there. And and I look back and I, I only know a small fraction, really, right? I, like that's the temple is the place where we continue to learn about eternity. But I think that's the the journey. And now relating this to your mission, right? Uh, on your second day, there will be things about the mission and about you being a disciple of Christ where it's like, oh no, like I, I got to do this and that and stuff. And, and obviously they're going to really pound in uh, the rules of the white handbook and stuff while you're in the MTC, which is great because that's going to serve you the rest of your mission in life. But by the end, and as you go through these, this experience, it, you'll understand what's truly important about being a, a servant of God. And what's not, and, and I, the, the great part is, especially with your personality, is that I know you'll be able to help others who maybe miss the mark, where they think they get caught up in one thing and you're like, that's not what this is about. It's about this. It's about serving our sisters and brothers and about bringing them to Christ. It's not about, you know, focusing on making sure we do every single rule, which is important. I'm not saying it's not. But I know sometimes, you uh, Missionaries have a tendency to make things about one thing, and then they lose sight of it's about Christ. It's about serving Christ and our, our siblings. siblings. Um, so, in the first section, and any thoughts, by the way, if at any point you have any thoughts, you jump in and share. Uh, in the first section, it says I have access to God's priesthood power and blessings. Uh, when you think about the word priesthood, what comes to mind? Well, stop there. What comes to
1: mind? <laughs> uh-huh. Just like the power to heal sick and the afflicted. I think that's pretty cool. That you're able to give blessings. Just to help others with that.
0: And I, cool. I know that you received the Melchizedek priest last week. Um, have you been able to, to give a blessing at all yet or anything like that? No, I haven't. It'll be... Um, That'll be a sweet experience, obviously. But uh and that's another thing. I I feel like you never forget the first blessing you ever give. For, for me, it just I remember both my first and my second. After that I can't keep I can't remember. But I remember my first and my second. Because my first was to my mom, uh the the day I received the Melchizedek priesthood, but the second one was at BYU. They I I'd gone straight to school and uh this girl in the ward who I didn't know her at all, but uh, I was her home teacher. And then she was, you know, something happened in her life, whether she was sick or, I don't remember what the circumstances were. I just remember she really needed a blessing. So she called me and uh, my companion to come give her a blessing. And she asked me to, to give the blessing. And I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And the other thing was that it was after curfew hours and so we couldn't go in the building at BYU on the dorm rooms. We had to do it outside in this like garden pavilion area. And so like we were in the middle of this little square while people are like walking past still at night. And I'm just giving this blessing, like my white shirt, my tie and stuff. Um, but I'll never forget that. I'll never forget being so nervous and and just being like, I don't know if I'm going to know what to say. And then, you know, I prayed for the spirit and I Pray to know what to say, and and I did. Whatever I said, uh, I don't remember the words I said or anything like that, but I just remember it gave her an insane amount of comfort and peace. And that's that's the priesthood right there for me is the ability to serve others. Uh, Because it's not like you can't give yourself a blessing. Um, When I'm sick, I can't be like, I'll just lay my own hands on my own head. I need to reach out. And it's the priesthood that gives us opportunities to to think of more than just ourselves, obviously, since we can't use the priesthood to bless ourselves. Uh, we can only use it to bless others, which is pretty cool, since we're naturally selfish uh, creatures. The natural man always wants what we want. Uh, how often do you think about the priesthood and its influence on your
1: everyday life? Uh, for you? Uh-huh. <laughs> Quite often, I don't know. always look, I've been around friends, like, I have a bunch of friends that aren't really members. Um, just having the priesthood in my life has helped me avoid situations. And um, to be the example to those guys, it's helped them, I think.
0: Uh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, and, you know, for me, I uh, I don't think I think about it enough. I... Th- I I, I know I think about the priesthood and its influence but i i think for the most part I just go about my day like i am just like just trying to get stuff done and, and I, I this is a great question for me of of maybe stopping slowing down a little bit more and being more mindful of the blessings that I have and also the influence in my life that it has there's a couple of scriptures that I want to share um one is in uh 19 uh, section 8419. And of course, I'm at the I'm at the opposite end of section eighty-four. But in nineteen it says, and this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. And I feel like that's a great uh, definition of the Melchizedek priesthood. It's the the greater priesthood that administers the gospel and holds the keys to the mysteries of the kingdom, even the keys to the knowledge of God. And uh in verse twenty-six is the is the other priesthood and the lesser priesthood continued, which priesthood holdeth the keys of the ministering of angels and the preparatory gospel. So the ironic priesthood is the lesser priesthood; it holds the keys of the ministering of angels and the prepar, uh, preparatory gospel. So they build on one another, but the Melchizedek holds all the powers and privileges of the ironic priesthood, um, obviously. And I I feel like that pretty much sums it up. So any other thoughts on uh, the Melchizedek priesthood or the ironic priesthood? Or, Anything on priesthood, you know, authority. Works for me. In the second section, it says, If I receive the Lord and his servants, I will receive all the Father has. Elder Paul B. Piper taught, It is interesting that in the oath and covenant of the priesthood, the Lord uses the verbs obtain and receive, does not use the verb ordain. It is in the temple that men and women together obtain and receive the blessings and power of both the Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthoods. Uh, as you study Doctrine and covenant, section 84, look for words, the words obtain and receive. Ponder what they might mean. In this context, how are you receiving the Lord and his servants? Uh, so, so we'll start with that question. Quaidan, how are you receiving the Lord and his servants?
1: Mm, I think a lot of it for me lately has been studying my scriptures way more than I ever did. I didn't really study scriptures a whole lot. Just enough to read a couple verses every night to get through my day, and then,
0: yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I remember, especially for my mission, obviously, I'd never studied harder because— and I actually uh, had a pretty good scripture study pattern in high school and stuff— I I sort of lost that in college. And so by the time it came around for my mission, I was like, "Oh no. <laughs> I don't know enough." And I was so worried that I wouldn't know enough. That that was my big fear is that people would ask me questions and I'd be like, "I have no idea. I don't know where to find that." And uh I, that did happen. Right? That, that 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 certainly did happen, but it was uh for the most part as I started studying and it gave me this drive and this um fire to really make studying a part of my personality and identity and then i was able to find um i don't know if you were were uh, there when i was explaining last night to zach about that i was studying in the new T- testament about like 14 months into my mission and i just read this verse and i didn't think anything of it and like i read through the whole chapter and uh, i think it was in i don't know it was, in the, it was in the New Testament, but then we were tracting that day, and we ran into this this guy who had a, you know, something. He wanted to share something. He's like, this is, you believe this, and it's not true. And I was like, it's in the New Testament. And I, like, pulled it out, and he was like, where? Tell me. And I knew the exact chapter, the exact verse. I was like, it's right here. And it was, it was literally like he had said, you believe this, and that's not true. And I didn't even use the Book of Mormon. I used the New Testament, but... But it wasn't because I knew all the scriptures. It was I just happened to be studying in the right place at the right time in that day. And uh, I think that's the really cool relationship with the scriptures is that the Holy Ghost teaches us through through the scriptures. But also, uh, it's the answers to all of our questions. You know, it's great that these really old guys who are now dead had questions that we have right now. And they found the answers for us to help us. Um, in verse 34 of section 84, it says, they become the sons of Moses and of Aaron and the seed of Abraham and the church and the kingdom, the elect of God. And I was thinking about this a lot this week, the elect of God. Uh, in the scriptures, it says that the elect of God are those that hear, hear God's voice and they don't reject it. They don't harden their hearts. And, um, for sure on my mission, I ran into a lot of people who harden their hearts but I think about in my life, how often do I harden my heart? And so I feel like it's not just uh with becoming the elect, it's not just you are elect, and, and that's it. It's it's a process. We have to, we could be elect right now, but in you know, a year we could harden our hearts and we're no longer elect. And so it's this process of always seeking to be the elect of God by listening, by humbling, and staying on that process never allowing satan uh, never falling into the pride cycle that the nephites uh, civilization got into just to constantly be hum- humbling and then we receive these blessings and not allowing our own pride to to take us but instead when we receive blessings to immediately get on our knees in gratitude and, and go through this humility process and so that was a big thing that stuck out for me i think in receiving the lord's servants as as, as uh People in Washington are going to receive you. You're going to find the elect. Um, you're going to know them when you when you meet them, and you're going to run into a lot of people who aren't so elect. And and that's that's what you know. God is sending you out there to do to sift the wheat from the tares. It's the final harvest, and that's what you're called to do. Uh, any other thoughts on on uh, receiving the Lord and His servants?
1: Yeah, I agree. We we had a lesson yesterday about it. Um, it was like a basketball topic and he was saying that we could it takes practice to teaching people and he said sometimes you can perfect the perfect pass and people will still miss it (laughs) so he's like you're not always going to have people that will listen to your words and take the gospel but you, all you can do is just try your best. So true,
0: and and on the flip side, sometimes you will make a terrible pass, and yet the person is still able to receive it and pick it up and run with it. And I know for me, my biggest stress, and when it came to tracting and street contacting and meeting people, was like that I wouldn't do a good enough job, like I'd ruin the gospel message for them. I'd go to knock on a door and I'd say, Hey, we're missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and, and we have a message from Christ that we want to share with you. And it, like, I would butcher that, and I wouldn't get the right delivery or whatever. I was so nervous about this that I really hated tracting because of it, or just street contacting, or, or however the kids are finding these days. I don't know. And it took me a really long time actually into the mission to realize that, like, You'll never be good enough or perfect enough that people just like like you could give the perfect delivery and it's just enough where it's like, oh, that's it. Right. Like it's the other person, too. It's a two way street. The fact that you're going out there, the fact that you're putting yourself, uh, you are sacrificing you. You could be doing so many other things with your time right now. And for the next two years, you could be going on to school, obviously, and you could continue dating and moving forward with your life in that regard. Uh, But you are putting your life on hold because the Lord has called you and has asked you to go and serve him. And that to me qualifies you you for the work. And and that is far more important. The fact that you're going out and getting out there. Uh, I don't think I took that into consideration enough while I was on my mission. And it took me a really long time to learn that lesson that you're good enough. And that you have the, the power of God with you every single day that he is walking with you. And so you're absolutely right. You could have the perfect past, the perfect delivery. You could be the greatest missionary who's ever lived and someone will still say no because uh, they said no to Christ and he was the perfect missionary. And so uh, that, that's just the beautiful process of the gospel is that we all get our agency to accept it. It's an excellent point, Quaidan Or Elder Ted, excuse me. That's going to be tough. Uh, The third section, I come unto Christ as I heed his words and hearken to his spirit. And uh, actually, I I won't even read this because I just have a verse that I like from here. It says, and by this you may know that they are under the bondage of sin because they come not unto me. Um, As I was thinking about that, as I think about sin and bondage that... When we sin, it truly creates these chains. It creates a separation from God. It's natural. There's something about it that is unexplainable, but it's a natural. The, the The effects can be felt by all of us who sin, and we all sin, and we all feel that separation. And ultimately, the gospel frees us from sin as we as we learn about the atonement, and we understand that Christ suffered for us so that we don't have to be in bondage anymore. I mean, this is a lifelong learning process. But it's one that is so critical and so important. I mean, this is the message you are carrying out into Washington is is that there's these people who have been sinning and they don't even know they're sinning. And some know they are sinning and they don't know how to free themselves. And they think that that's just part of life, right? You're going to share this message that Christ came to free us from sin, to show us how to repent. He prepared the way for us. And, uh... And that's that is the gospel. That is the good news. And to me, that's where this that's where this all hinges on. But it comes from this uh, in in verse fifty, where it talks about this natural chaining and damnation process that you know Satan would seek to inflict upon us by the law, because you can't sin against the law and, and not have consequences. And that God frees us from it. Uh, so that's my thought there. Do you have anything about you know coming unto Christ and heeding His words? Mm-hmm. That's fine. I know this last section, this is the one I want to focus on because I feel like it applies especially the most to you right now and, and where you're at. But it's the Lord will be with me when I am in his service. And you are 100% in his service. You're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. You wear his name on, on your chest. And you're going to do that every day for the next <coughs> 729 days now. Uh, but there's a couple of verses here. Uh, verses in 62, it says, Therefore go ye into all the world, and unto whatsoever place ye cannot go ye shall send, that the testimony may go from you into all the world unto every creature. I mean, that's you're doing that. That's literally what you're doing. You are going to, to uh, Washington. You're going to preach the gospel to every creature. And then in 63 it says, and I, As I said unto mine apostles, even so I say unto you, for you are mine apostles, even God's high priests, Ye are they whom my Father hath given me, ye are my friends. Um, he's talking to the apostles here, but it opens the door that we can all be God's friends. And as you labor with him, just like how you create a relationship with your own friends now, right? You, you have friends because you you play sports with them, you do activities with them, you talk with them on the phone and in person. And like, that's how you develop friendships. In that same way, that's how we develop Christ is our friend. Uh, I believe He wants to be our friend. Like it's not like a friendship where we want to be His friends and He's like, mm, I'm not really feeling it. It's just not there for me, right? Like He wants to be our friend naturally, and it's us who separate ourselves from Him through through sin or through not doing what's right. But He still wants to be our friend. Uh, he's still seeking it, and it's us that have to decide. Well, now as a representative, now as you're going out, you're going to be laboring and suffering. Uh, for His name, for His cause. It was a great time to develop your friendship with God. That's, I know, where I've developed my friendship with the Lord was through trials, through suffering. It was not an easy two years. It was like the hardest two years of my life for sure. Um, I mean, I feel like my best friends are the ones who have suffered with me. One of the things, It's not because things have been easy that I have best friends. It's because things have been really hard. And they stuck with me in that same way you're about to go become a best friend with Christ. And I mean, it's a painful process, but it is a great process. (laughs) And then in 73, it says, but a commandment I give unto them that they shall not boast themselves of these things, neither speak them before the world. Uh, For these things are given unto you for your profit and for your salvation. Um, This one for me is hard is is like i said we receive these blessings and we you're going to receive gifts and uh and powers while you're serving and you're serving in the lord's name it's tough not to boast it's tough not to feel that pride of like i am awesome (laughs) you know like i remember coming home after a long day and still having energy to keep going i remember you would teach this lesson and you would just feel like your whole body was like filled with fire. You were lit up. And, and it's tough to, to not become prideful for me. It probably isn't for you. You're super humble. But for me, it was tough not to, to allow Satan to tell me that it was all me, you know? And, and then the Lord let me fall on my face every time that I started getting prideful. And every time I thought it was me, then the Lord was like, okay, I'll show you what it's like when I'm not there. And I was not the same. It was like I couldn't teach. Uh, I couldn't even open my mouth. I felt like I was like, I need to just be quiet. And so staying humble is the process, and that is how we continue to be blessed and come closer to Him. But the moment we allow ourselves to think that it's us is the moment we'll fall flat on our face. Uh, and then and two final verses, Then, and I want all your thoughts, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, in verse 80, it says, not it. And any man that shall go and preach this gospel of the kingdom and fail not to continue faithful in all things shall not be wary in mind, neither darkened, neither in body, limb, nor joint. And a hair of his head shall not fall to the ground unnoticed, and they shall not go hungry, neither a thirst. It's talking about you. They're talking about you serving your mission. These are the blessings you can expect. That as long as you as long as you uh move forward faithful and don't you don't fail, then you won't be wary in body, in mind. Uh, you won't a hair of your head will not go unnoticed. Like the Lord is so aware of you during this time and during your service um, that you can call on him. And it won't always feel like he's there, but he He always will be there. And, uh, and you will feel him in a powerful way, especially in your darkest times. But you won't go hungry and you won't go thirst, which is great because that means hopefully the members are feeding you and you get lots of bill appointments. Um, but those are some blessings of the missionary. And finally, in verse 88, and whoso receiveth you, there will I be also, for I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left. And my spirit shall be in your hearts, and my angels round about you to bear you up. The, you get the promise of knowing that, that God is going before your face. Your countenance will be changed. People will know just, they won't even see you as Elder tebs. They'll literally see you as a disciple of Christ. That is the most beautiful change. Uh, so Quaden, what thoughts do you have about um, the Lord being with you in your service?
1: It's just a peaceful feeling, I don't know. having that companionship. It's kind of like a third companion you always have with you. And just having someone to turn to if you're struggling or if you just need to talk to him and ask for help. It's just always peaceful to know that. comforting.
0: In your 18 years that have prepared you for for this now, where you're at right now, what do you feel like has been the most helpful thing? Like, um, if you were to tell a parent who has their own kids that they're helping to raise and uh, want to help them to get to this point where you're at, where you've made these righteous decisions, for you in your life, what was the most helpful thing or a couple of
1: the most helpful things that helped you get to this point? Probably praying and asking to know what to do with my life, pretty much. Like praying if a mission was right for me or not. So that's always been a big part of my life. It's awesome. Um, what, is the,
0: what is the number one thing that you are most excited for to get
1: out to the field and be able to do? Just to not be online, I guess. <laughs> um, to be able to have interaction with uh, the people and to be able to teach them and just to finally get out there and get a move on. I, uh,
0: yeah, you're gonna love that. And, and as I've talked to, to Chandler and to Daxton and stuff, especially, I know you guys have this um, great work ethic And this great drive just to to never be stuck, to never be just sitting in one place or just allowing yourself kind of this, um, I don't know, this sin of boredom or the sin of uh, doing nothing. And that is a great gift. And I think you're going to really help a lot of your companions. Um, I know I had a lot of companions and I even myself uh, had to fight the temptation to just to sit down and relax and not keep working and doing the work and i was extremely grateful for the companions who had that drive uh the southern utah boys who wanted to get out wanted to do the work and that that motivated me to get out and and do the work and work hard and uh you know you'll find that that you have certain gifts you bring to the table and you it'll feel like your companions have certain weaknesses that they bring to the table and you're like what are you bringing to the table but as you as you use your strengths to boost their weaknesses, you'll end up finding, and you develop that relationship, you'll find that they have strengths that help your weaknesses. Weaknesses you know about, weaknesses you didn't even know you had. And uh, and those, those companionships are the ones that get stuff done. The times where I just butted heads with my companion and was like, this kid is worthless. He doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to get out there and talk to people. He just wants to like be lazy and sit around, uh, every time that I would just be like, forget it, I'm not carrying his sorry bum. Then those, those were, it was a bad relationship and we didn't get a lot done. Even when I would like, if I'd be like, let's go and let's get out there. Uh, he would come with me, but it didn't mean anything, you know, good was accomplished. But the ones where I got to know them and they got to know me. Uh, those are some of my best friends to this day. And some my best relationships came because of, you know, first meeting them and thinking, man, you are a giant piece of garbage. They just let anyone on missions, don't they? They never raise the bar. And over time, changing and humbling myself and seeing, I see, like I see you and I get you and 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 we are not the same, but we have a beautiful relationship. And then obviously, I married a missionary who I... Saw plenty of her weaknesses and she saw plenty of mine and we both have strengths that we brought to the table that we're trying to make it work on an eternal companionship. But uh, but you know, I don't counsel you to go out and find an eternal companion on the mission, you know. You can come home and do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to conclude with this. Um, but first, any any other thoughts that you want to share? Mm-hmm. Good when you get home after two years and at your homecoming after, I want you to be a special guest again. And I want to see uh, the changes in like, and what you're like, in in the thoughts you have, in uh, what your thoughts of the mission were, and just be able to track that cycle over two years. Obviously, I'm going to be part of the process the whole time, but uh, by, by reading your emails and, and being able to talk to you the four times or so, while you're gone, but um, I think it would be a super cool change to, to see. So I want to conclude with this. It's in verse 106. Uh, and if any man among you be strong in the spirit, let him take with him that is weak, that he may be edified in all meekness, that he may become strong also. Uh, we are this, this life is not meant to be a solo victory. It's, it's this, this isn't about what we can do as individuals. It's not what, uh, you know, proving to the Lord that we're all he needs and, and that's the only army he's got. We, we need to help each other. Um, let any man among you who's strong in the spirit, Quaid, and you are strong in the spirit. You're going to go out there and you're going to meet people who are weak in the spirit. And you are literally going out to fulfill this call that you're going to help boost them. Uh, strengthen them, lift them. There are going to be people who you don't want to lift because uh, of you know, their personality or they're obnoxious or they they gripe all the time. That's going to be investigators. It's going to be your companions. It's going to be members. You're going to find these people who are weak in the spirit, but, but a part of them wants to be strong and you're going to be able to lift them and help them along. And you're going to love those people more than anyone, more than the people who are just naturally strong and they don't need help, you're gonna love the people who you had to lift uh, because those are the people who end up meeting the most. And I always keep in mind, uh, because I'm very much, I like to, I don't enjoy team sports because I don't really like counting on people. (laughs) But that's what this life is. This life is a giant team sport and we need everyone on the team. And uh, sometimes I'm strong and sometimes I'm weak and sometimes I need people to be there for me And for the most part, I try to be strong so I can be there for everyone else. But this life is meant to be sacrificed for other people. You are sacrificing your life for the next two years. And it's to teach you how to live an entire life of sacrifice. Obviously, in a lot more fun way later. But I'm thankful for you. I love you. I'm so grateful for the decision you made, especially as one day I'm going to be the dad to these adult children who have to make that decision of do they serve the Lord or not. And I'm so grateful that we have, um, un- that they will have uncles and aunts that I can point to them and say, look at, look at how their life is. Look at the example they have set. And don't you want that for you? Uh, don't you want the blessings they receive because of their service? And so I genuinely I'm so thankful because it makes it a whole lot easier to have an army of TEBS missionaries. <laughs> To say, look at all of your uncles and aunts. They all made that decision. And uh, look at how they worthily serve. So um, I know it's only two days in. I know it's already been hard. But truly, thank you for the sacrifice you're making. Uh, And thank you all for, for inviting us to your family room discussion. What ideas, questions, or insights did you have from Doctrine and Covenants, Section 84? Until we meet again...